Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hey, hey, Seattle. Welcome, Seattle, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the Commodore of cocktails, and yet today I'm the wizard of Washington wine. Uh, Taste Washington was uh, just last weekend. What a treat. Super fun. Two days, actually four days. I was there for Friday night at the Fisher Pavilion for the uh, new vintage All-Stars, and uh, that was a big kick. Everyone loves our rosé and our our white wine from white coral and pink coral. And uh, then we had the grand tasting, plus some cool seminars over at the Four Seasons Hotel. I really recommend taking a, a seminar class or two. Um, you might be intimidated, but just don't say anything. Or just be, you know what, I don't care. Drink a bunch of wine and ask stupid questions. Because there's no stupid questions, there's just stupid answers, to be honest. Uh, we had two seminars. The first was on Saturday. Uh, one was um, the Salilo Vineyard, which is down in the Columbia Gorge. This is a very, it's basically the wind gap from the uh, Pacific Ocean to um, the inland desert here for Washington and Oregon. So you get this really fast wind. It kind of sucks it out as all that heat rises out and fills it up with cold air, which moderates the temperature for these vineyards. Uh, It makes the grapes uh, thick-skinned and keeps lots of um, acidity because... At night it's cool, in the daytime it's warm, and that allows the grapes basically to t- take a s- nap or to uh, to breathe uh, easily. Um, and that was really fun. All white wines, Gewurztraminer, Riesling, Chardonnay, Pinot Gris. Um, so if you ever see Celilo, C-E-L-I-L-O, Celilo Vineyard on the label, check it out. Really good stuff. Uh, and it's uh, it's a very interesting, um, what they said, 15,000 years old uh, uh, basalt. Um, actually, it's it's more than that because it's weathered basalt, and they've got this really interesting. Um, well, you'll have to go to the seminar to find out. Second seminar was on Sunday. This was a cool one. This was titled Washington versus the World, and we had a great panel of winemakers. Uh, Casey McClellan from Seven Hills, Anna Schaefer-Cohen from Amaris, uh, Jeff Lindsay Thorson, the winemaker at WT Vintners, and also the sommelier at uh, RN74. Uh, uh, Keith Gordon with Sleight of Hand Cellars, and who was, oh, uh, the... Well, the face behind Passing Time, uh, one of the two faces, uh, it was Damon Heward, the Washington previous uh, former Washington quarterback, and uh, his partner is Dan Marino, laces out. Um, he had a great wine called Passing Time, and these wines were put up against uh, world-class wines. Well, I should say world-class wines. We had Syrah from uh, South Africa. We had Shiraz from Australia. We had... Uh, Joseph Phelps and Signet from Napa Valley. Um, what else? We had Duckhorn vin- Vineyards of Merlot. And, uh, oh, we had Lynchbau, Chateau Lynchbage 2012. So um, Washington uh, has the best of what we call old and new world. I guess that would be Middle Earth kind of thing, if you think about it. We've got the ripeness and structure, the best of both worlds, because you've acid, you have tannin, you well, and, and the wines that you want tannin, but uh, ripeness of fruit and longevity. Uh, so fun. And, of course, we had 265 wineries. Sorry, 235 wineries and 65 restaurants. I made it to about 210 wineries, or 200 wineries. I kind of lost count on the second day. Uh, I was tasting a lot and uh, spinning mostly, kind of. 
spinning backwards sometimes. The wines were really good. That, oh, my overall impression was uh, Washington uh, quality has uh, risen overall from whites to pinks to reds. Even the bubbles were good, and everyone uh, has learned uh, with these the challenging vintages we've had in the last six, seven years, uh, 10, 11, 12. And, uh, of course, wine is a, a journey. Uh, take it from a, an aspiring master sommelier. We have to uh, try to remember the stuff we've learned and then think about uh, the new vintages that come along and the new wineries and the new winemakers and the, the idea of, of terroir. And, um, and really, when it comes down to it, it has to be passionate about, from the winemaker's side, you have to be passionate from the vigneron side, and you have to be passionate from the consumer side, or the sommelier. And uh, speaking of passion, I got a cat here who's in the studio. His name is Galen Crone. He's the um, one of the partners of the winemaker for Long Road Winery, and let's just get to it. Hey, Galen. Yes, welcome sir. Welcome to Happy Hour. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I know. Saturday night, we got some wine. It's just you and me, and uh, right. the monorail hanging out here in the uh, prestigious palace of the 4th Avenue. Uh, let's talk about you. Galen Crone, uh, you, we're chatting up. You moved to Seattle in 1979. 79. Yep. From? Sacramento, California. All right. Yep. All right. So you got out of, you said, I'm tired of tomatoes. Let's get some apples. Exactly. Yeah. And what brought you to uh, Seattle? Uh, my parents. I was uh, <laughs> I was six. Not not a rogue uncle. Yeah, no, no. I was six. I didn't have a whole lot to say in it. Um, Are we uh, there yet? Are we there yet? Right. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. Yeah. No. They were they worked up. They finished college uh, uh, down there and came up here to work at UW. Okay. So I naturally came along. All right. So let's just go jump into alcohol. Uh, you, your parents are doctors, much like mine, or yeah. physicians, I should say, yeah. and uh, that means they're probably out of the house a lot because they're working. Um, I exactly. lived. I lived on I frozen pizza, going. Yes. chicken patties, and top ramen. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, but and then you know I found my dad's liquor cabinet at about twelve or thirteen. But he was smart. He put in gin and Laphroaig scotch, and you know, uh, right? That's that, not going to. That's not going to encourage anybody to to drink. And I think that's the way to go. Help yourself, kid. Right. Knock yourself out. Yeah. How did you get into your first uh, interest in alcohol? Um. Uh, so we used to have a, a, a huge end of year, end of uh, semester party at the house, uh, the parents, because um, they had students too at being at UW. Oh, right. Um, and uh, and so they were teaching in med school. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there, so we would have the garbage can full of ice and beers, uh, and then there was one uh, one of their colleagues that would come over and always uh, fire off champagne, you know, try to shoot the cork over the backyard fence and oh, stuff. Yeah. And, and I quickly found out that that stuff tasted a heck of a lot better than uh, the beer. All right. What were you so, serving Rhinelander back in the day? I don't know. Uh, I think it was Cook's. Oh, Cook's. Champagne. Right, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got Quote it. Quote, unquote, champagne. Right. American champagne. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, all right. So yeah. you, did you fire off some plastic corks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was a ton <laughs> of fun. And then, you know, sampled a little bit before I poured it out for the other students. And uh and that was that was just heaven. That oh, so you had a little tasting. hospitality service in you, right? You were helping out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Brothers and sisters? No, no. Nope. Okay, I'm an only only child. Oh, oh so that's how you yeah. got it. You got to do it all, then, huh? Exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> one man show. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. All right. Um, fast forward. You went to college. You went to the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pit Panther. All right, Pit Panther, great. And Washington Huskies. I think we actually play each other sometime soon. I yeah. saw that. Um, you were going to school. Did you? You've probably found. What were they drinking? Were they drinking Little Kings? Or they're drinking uh, Steel Curtain. Iron City. Iron City. That's the yeah. I'm trying to think of. Iron, Iron City. City with a shot of Imperial. Ooh. Yeah. Classy. What's the classy. What's, what's Imperial? Are. Is that uh, like cheap bourbon? It, yeah. 
Cheap whiskey? Uh, I think it, technically it's scotch, so it's uh, I think oh. it's like a McNaughton's quality. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it does a trick. Right. For cheap. And Rolling Rocks. A lot of Rolling Rocks, too. All right. Okay. That came from that part of the world. Yeah, I still don't know what the 33 means. Nope. I couldn't <laughs> tell you either. <laughs> I got into quite a few conversations about it in college, but uh, yeah. never finished them. <laughs> okay. Never finished them. Yeah. Next point. All right. Uh, you, you found yourself um, a passion for food and beer and wine. Um, but yeah, exactly. What so happened after college? Started, uh, after college, I went to some more college. I went to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. Uh, so learned the restaurant inside and out, uh, and then really, really learned wine like in depth when I was there. Is that a two in year that... program or a four year program? Um, well, it's both technically. So uh, you can after the t- after the two years, you have an associate's degree, in which point you can go out and earn your way in the world, Being or you can associate? stay and do mm-hmm. a bachelor's degree. Oh, okay. Which was relatively new when I was there, um, but. Yeah, that wasn't for me. I already had one of those, so <laughs> I got out of there as quick as possible and started uh, started making food. I got a bachelor PhD, which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So you got out of there making food. What was your first gig? Uh, the Four Seasons. Where in Seattle? Seattle. Wow. The okay. Olympic Four Seasons. Hey, what yeah, it, was Gavin one. Stevenson? Yes. Was he there? Yeah, he was there. Okay, because yep, he'd been there like twenty some years, I think, at yeah, that yeah. point. Um, and now he has transitioned to uh, a new spot. I kind of remember, but um, he's doing something new. Pretty exciting for him. Yeah. So Four Seasons Hotel Life. What year was this? Yep. Uh, this would have been two thousand one. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You don't look that old. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, uh, Four Seasons, how, what was your position? Um, so I came in as a management trainee um, and uh, did that. That Their program, it's a really great program, uh, and it takes about a year. And then oh, they, for Four Seasons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And they put you you know, in a bunch of different departments uh, in, in, along the track that you want to be in. Uh, so my first real job with a business card with the Four Seasons tree on it, which is that's pretty exciting to get that. Yeah, sure. Uh, was the, what was it? Uh, deputy Director of In-Room Dining. Wow. Well, right? Deputy Director of In-Room Dining. So the did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, what does the Deputy Director for In-Room Dining do? Uh, you go and retrieve the room service carts and make sure that your servers are all there and taking the all orders right. up on a timely manner. Yeah, that was my first gig in the hotel. I worked at Lexus Hotel, and oh, I cool. was the breakfast butler in the weekends, so serving croissants and trays and right. carrots and all that, and seeing people dressed and not dressed. It's kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were uh, some interesting stories. I always thought they were, they were hoping for a lady knocking at that door, like, dude, <laughs> that never happens. Dude, put that away. <laughs> Holy smoke! Oh, speaking with Galen Crone, who's the uh, what's your title? Winemaker. Winemaker. Deputy winemaker of <laughs> winemaking. Exactly. Uh, in, uh, yeah, all right. Uh, so, with Long Road Winery, and uh, he, you were pouring at Taste, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Did I get to the L's? Uh, well, actually, so we did the, the Friday around. night event. Yes, that's it. Um, but we didn't do the, the Grand all Weekend. Right, so that's why I saw you Friday. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. So, um, did you meet Joseph Linder at the Four Seasons? Was he there oh, at the yeah, time? Oh, right. yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and he was an yep. advanced sommelier at the time. He got his master's from me, I think, in 2008 or nine. Maybe it was 10. Uh, well, yeah, so, I started doing some tasting with him there. Right on. 
Have you gone forward in any of these certification programs, ISG or WSET or? Um, so I'm I'm level one in the court. Okay, level one. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I haven't quite gotten around to certified. One percent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, kind of the inverse of that. Uh, pretty cool. Um, so you, when did you jump ship? When did you jump the flagship, the Four Seasons, the tree? Get off that treehouse. Uh, when uh, when the Fairmont bought out the the property, I went over to uh, a little place in Seattle called. Uh, the Ocean Air Seafood Room. Oh, very little place. And I'm trying to remember what yeah. that was prior to that building. Is that building was that building new? Was it built out at that point? I believe. Yeah, yeah. I believe because they... it looked pretty new. And that's a great place. One of my yeah. favorite spots. Um, it's interesting. It's a national chain. Ocean Air. Yep. Uh, of course, you're talking Washington D.C., perhaps New York, and you know big cities like that. Uh, and, and it was expensive at the time. I remember that. Going, wow. I yeah. Mean, they yeah. were really pushing at corporate dining because right. of the hotel and all that. Exactly. Of course, the bottom fell out, in, you know, in two thousand seven. And when did you when did you land there? Uh, I got there in oh three. Oh, great! So you had you know three four year run, right? Yeah. Good. And then, of course, the economy changed, and yep. we we don't want to talk about that because it's you know changed again, and you know everything comes right. around. Um, so tell us how you actually got into the wine. This idea that I want to do this wine thing. So. Um, so we used to do a lot of wine dinners there, um, and uh, we helped um, FSD Winery uh, launch their Sauv Blanc. It's a, the Savage Sauv Blanc, which is a wild fermented Sauv Blanc, um, and that was, ooh, let me see, that was around 2005. Um, and I got to know their winemaker a little bit. His name is Brendan Layton, um, right. and uh, he invited me up for a crush the next fall. And uh, it was just amazing seeing this, you know, these beautiful tasting fresh grapes come in and turn into this dramatically different tasting beverage that was just heavenly and amazing. And the process was really, really interesting. I mean, it's just there's all kinds so of all stuff you do, happening you in there. Throw it in there and crush it, and then yeah. put the juice, and then right. put it. Oh, it's that easy. It's super simple. <laughs> I thought I could is. do this, and, and it's fun. It. Oh, oh yeah, ton cool. of fun. So well, and you get to drive forklifts and big machines and stuff. And, and you tonk a truck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, pretty neat. And when did you actually start your first homemaking wine or beer or making your first alcohol? Uh, so our first attempt at home uh, would was later that fall with some Merlot uh, fruit. Uh, he crushed it for us, and we, <laughs> while he was crushing it, we were kind of looking back and. Uh, Two other friends of mine that were also uh, waiters at Ocean Air, kind of looking at each other and like, uh, "What are we going to do with this? What are you doing now?" Huh? <laughs> all right. So we ran out and grabbed, bought some garbage cans real quick and scrubbed them out and dumped <laughs> it, dumped all the fruit in there and threw it in a pickup truck and took it home. That's how it's done, folks. <laughs> the secrets of winemaking with Galen Crone, uh, winemaker of Long Road Winery. Hey, stick around. We've got some wines to taste and more to talk right here on Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity. Listen and be part of history. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for uh, round two, and I've got, uh, well, two cool cats in studio. Me, 
And my new pal, Galen Crone, is the winemaker for Long Road Winery. He is a Pit Panther, came to Seattle in 79, and has returned uh, in uh, 2001, I think he said, right? Or is it before that? Right. Uh, four Seasons, uh, CIA grad out of uh, Grace. No, wait. Um, Hyde Park. Hyde Park. Thank you very much. So here we are. Uh, you started, you got some Merlot uh, after, was that the 2008 vintage? Uh, five. 2005. 2005. Wow. Okay, so it really yeah. is uh, 13. You said yeah. 12 years. Yeah. Wow, 2005. Um, did you study Washington wine, or were you drinking Washington wine, or did you say, you know what, this Brennan, I like his tattoos. Right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so at that point, I was uh, I had done the first level of the Quartermaster Sommeliers, and mm-hmm. I was the wine director uh, at the Ocean Air Seafood Room, so buying a lot of Washington wine, tasting a ton of wine. Right on. Um, and some California and French, too, but you know that, that list was mostly... Probably sixty percent Washington. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun tasting with winemakers from from you know all over the state and still relative uh, relatively a nascent industry here. I think oh, in, yeah. in two thousand five we maybe had four hundred and fifty wineries. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that means we had three hundred and fifty making wine and one hundred and fifty trying to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Coming out in 07. Yeah, I tasted some of those too. Well, but that's just it. You, <laughs> it's part you know, of the gig. Really, let's. I mean, let's talk about the uh, evolution of le- understanding how to make wine. First yeah. of all, you had your first grapes from where? Clipson was it Merlot from Clipson or Stillwater Creek or uh, Rattlesnake Hills? Rattlesnake Hills. Okay, yeah. and then how many t- how many vintages after that first one did you continue with that fruit? Uh, that was the only one. There you go. So exactly. as a winemaker starts out, like I'll take what I can get because exactly. I'm super yeah. excited, and you know we got to check it out. And and just fruit sources change, and then by the time you go back to that rattlesnakes, it's ten years later, right. and it's changed. So there's always an evolution happening here. And um, let's jump into a, a glass of wine. I see. Uh, I'm talking too much. I'm getting a little parched. I have a white wine here. Galen. 2016 uh, Chardonnay from Yakima Valley. Oh, 100% stainless steel fermentation, aged on lees. Uh, so the the you know once the yeast cells die off and float to the bottom of the tank or sink to the bottom of the tank, that's the lees down there, and it sits on that for um, about four months to get that sort of creamy, nice mouth texture without using a bunch of oak. Are you stirring it? Batonage? Yes. yes. Okay. How often? Um. Once a month? Twice a once a week? No, more like twice a month. Okay. Yeah, yeah, every other week every, or so. All right, good. Uh, so Chardonnay comes from Yakima Valley, you said? Yes. All right. <laughs> Swishing here on Happy Hour Radio. Uh, which, um, is this your first Chardonnay or second Chardonnay? Uh, this is my second Chardonnay. Uh-huh. And yeah. did your fruit sources change or the same ones? Uh, the same ones. Okay. Actually, yeah. Yeah. And so you said this was 16? Yep. Relatively warm, right? Not as warm as 15, though. Exactly. Is that correct? So um, Chardonnay's not looking for a lot of heat, but Yakima Valley is one of the cooler sub-appellations here in uh, Washington State. Exactly. What yeah. part of the valley are your grapes from? Um, this isn't like out of Moxie. It is. Ah, yeah. How about that? Yep. Okay. Very good. So older vine Chardonnay, which yes. for Chardonnay in Washington State, that's never been our hallmark grape. Um Great effort. You've got, uh, I guess, the least contact here. I think the acid is nice and it's moderate plus high. It's not super bright. You've got a little bit of texture with the lees. Yeah. Uh, some apple, some lemon. And it's screw top. Uh, and actually, we got a little crazy with this. Um, we kegged a bunch of this. Okay. Yeah. And it's working great. There's a, there's a growing number of restaurants around uh, oh, yeah. Western Washington that are doing it. And it's, it's great because, you know, you don't have to... 
worry about bottles, bottles and worry about aeration and, and oxidation. And, yeah. 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 Um, okay, so we have a website? We do. www.longroadwinery.com. Uh, okay. Um, you think they'll ever come out with a, another three letters other than www? I mean, it's changing so much. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Triple A. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, right. uh, okay, what's the price point for the Chardonnay? Uh, Chardonnay retails for 18 a bottle. All right, great job. Yeah. Uh, you now have a Pinot Noir. Obviously, we're not growing yes. too much Pinot Noir here in uh, Washington State, but the Pewterstown Appalachian, Pewterstown AVA, which we live here in Seattle, has been making some really good Pinot Noir, um, you know, yeah. relatively based on the, the quality of the vintages here. When we have a great summer, it's going to get Pinot right. Noir. Uh, what do you have here? This one's from uh, Oregon. So this is Oregon, yeah. So um, this is a... This is a a really nice um, couple down in Oregon. They're retired school teachers, uh, and they bought this hobby farm uh, that has, I want to say, three acres of Pinot Noir, uh, and it's pretty old. It's like 25 years old, Um, and it's uh, all 100% Wente clone, so that's the Swiss clone, so, you know, really light, delicate, floral, makes really nice, really pretty wines. Not real big robust wines um more delicate you know good for salmon and that kind of stuff um but a super nice family um and we buy all of it from them they grow it all for us wow uh so what part what subappellation in willamette valley uh they're down uh in eugene okay so that's southern oregon southern then. all right great you should so get this the, the very southern tip of willamette, willamette valley, valley. So I it's see. technically so willamette but if you go another mile down the road you're out of the willamette valley yeah i'm curious what sort of soil types there are down there because uh, willamette valley known for maybe 12 or 15 different specific soil types um and of course when you're down in eugene it gets a little much a little warmer yes last yes, time does. i was in eugene uh grateful dead 1995 you need to get down to Eugene. <laughs> I do. It's fun down there. I uh, know. I need to go on a trip in. Um, uh, so this one, I'm surprised how much acidity you have here. I know Pinot Noir, great. And what vintage is this again? So this is uh, 2015, and it was it was cool. It was a uh, you know like like you were saying before, uh, cooler the climate, the more acidity the grape retains. Mm-hmm. We picked in between uh, rainstorms on this one, which is always you know. That's an Oregon thing. <laughs> yes, it is. That's the, that uh, McMinnville Gap, or they call it. I yeah. forget. Um, uh, tasty. Now, th- what what vintage, or excuse me, what ex- what uh, release is this for you on Pinot Noir? This number one. This is our first ever. Yeah, this is this is actually the very first time I ever tried making Pinot Noir. And so this is a basket press or a pneumatic press. Basket. Basket press, right. So you're going to get a little harder tannin on that typically because yeah. um, just how it's just, it's not moving. Whereas right. it, the pneumatic moves around, so you get a little different angle to press. Exactly. Um, I think this is a great job. This is very rustic and old world. And rustic, yeah. I should say more old world than rustic because rustic tends to think it's a good bread or it's got a little something in it, a little funk. Right. Uh, not the case. Um, this is clean. Um, but I'm surprised how youthful this wine is. This almost needs another two years uh, in the bottle. I think it could easily or last. a good decanting. Yeah. Hang oh, I mean, longer. just two years ago. Hey, this is going to be great because it right. takes a good palate to go. Mm, you've got all the stuffing here. Uh, great job. So I would imagine this is in that thirty-five dollar range. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. All right. Twenty-eight. All right. Good. Excellent. Uh, what's the name of it? Just Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. Yep. Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> wine jokes. Okay, we got a glass in his hand. All right. Uh, wine number three uh, from Galen Crone, winemaker of Long Road Winery, is. Sonova. Sonova. So um, this, all this fruit comes from Destiny Ridge Vineyard. 
In Horse Seven Hills? In Horse Seven Hills. Uh-huh. Uh, and the road leading up to it is called Sonova. Well, we thought it was Sonova. Technically, the locals call it Son of a... You know. Son of a... Because it's potholed and gravel and... You know, Jared's your feelings loose driving on it. I think I've been on that one late, late, late <laughs> night with Jared cruising around. Is probably because yeah, you can continue on that road over to Alexander Nicole. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we were on that road, and it had lots of bumps and hills. Yeah. Um, well, this tastes like a blend of three different grapes: um, Merlot, Cab Franc, and some dark fruit, Syrah, Cab or Malbec, Cabernet, Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. I wasn't getting the tan in there yet, but of course, it's my first sip. Right. You have a good palate. What is it though? Yeah, it's Cabernet. So Cabernet Sauvignon is mm-hmm. about fifty percent, uh, about twenty five percent Cab Franc, and about twenty five percent Merlot. All right. Yeah. Um, lovely. And I I nice. noticed that uh, the the what? Oh, the Chardonnay was under cap. I'm sorry. The Chardonnay was under cork. Yeah. Okay. And so this one's under screw cap. This one's screw cap. Yeah, I love it. Fresh, um, the fruit shows on a screw cap. It maintains itself. And, um, again, this has just a medium tannin, maybe. Uh, it's yeah. definitely grape tannin. I don't get a much new oak on this wine at all. No, so that's part of our, our philosophy. Is, that's part um, of the screw cap regimen. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the screw cap regimen. Um, uh, we, like, we like making wine uh, that represents the, the fruit, the you know the vineyard that it came from. We don't want to mask it with a lot of oak and... And oak is, you know, really expensive. Oak is, oak is expensive, and yeah. uh, um, well, it's pretty. It's hard to move around. I mean, you got it. It takes up its space. It's not like you yes. can collapse it. Um, tell me. So this this uh, release is your what commercial vintage? Uh, this is a 2014. So this would be our third commercial. Okay, so the 16th release. is your fifth release. Yes, exactly. All right, and um, is this you? How many wines does Long Road Wine produce? Uh, I mean, is it more than four varieties or four expressions, if you call them? Or? Yeah, we also, so we also do a, a Sauvignon Blanc and a Riesling, uh, and then just a straight varietal Cabernet. Okay. Yeah. Really cool. And how many of those are in a screw cap? You brought two in a screw cap and two are in a cork today. Um, so the, the Sonova, which is our blend, which is the, the barrels that are, you know, they're great barrels, but they're not quite awesome enough to go into the... Oh, the major blend. The major I see blend. Cap. Yeah, so then okay. we just screw cap it. All right. Makes it easy. That's that easy. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Hey, folks, I'm speaking with Galen Crone, the winemaker for Long Road Winery, and uh, we've got another wine to taste after this break, uh, so stick around. We're right here on Happy Hour Radio. They do for politics what Edison did with the light bulb. Kirby and Carlson, weekdays, 8 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Hope you're having a great Saturday night. I've got three wines down, and it is our third segment. i got one wine to go with uh, courtesy of Galen Crone, who's a little winemaker for Long Road Winery. I'm sure he does more than that because uh, it takes... Many hands to make light work. 
That's because wine, when you're working alone, winemaking and uh, delivering and sales seem a little more challenging. Um, Galen, we tried your uh, Moxie Yakima Valley Chardonnay 2016, the 2015 Pinot Noir from Eugene in the late, just right in the Willamette Valley. Uh, we are now having the 14 Sonova, which is a Cabernet Cab Franc Merlot blend. And uh, you were just telling me offline about how this fruit source has changed. Why don't you go share that with people? I think they'll get a kick out of it. Yeah, so uh, we were lucky enough to, you know, have Alder Ridge Vineyard pick up our phone call when we, when we called them to get fruit from, um, and that was back in 12. Destiny Ridge, Alder Ridge? Alder Ridge. Okay. Alder Ridge. Um, and and uh, they've been great to us. Um, so the first, uh, the 12 vintage, the 13 vintage, um, uh, we got some of their younger new fruit down by the river, younger, like four or five <laughs> year old vines. And yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, and it was, it was pretty good. We were pretty happy with it. Um, but then, uh, great drainage. Oh yeah. Very dry roots. Uh, but then, uh, Bob Betts, uh, uh, started pulling out of Alder Ridge, um, uh, and, you know, going with his own fruit sources and, uh, and so we were lucky enough to get to move into his old blocks of fruit there. Um, so uh, we said, uh, yes, please, thank you very much, um, and and keep farming him exactly the way he told you to. Because <laughs> whatever I can tell you is not going to be as good. <laughs> uh, good for you. Isn't that great how uh, fortune sort of shines upon us on, on a rare occasion? Hopefully more often, especially since I'll be in Vegas tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> please, Lord. <laughs> Celebrating the the uh, arrival of our savior. Uh, so great, tasty wine. The Sonova price point uh, eighteen. Eighteen, yeah, yeah, that's a deal. Yeah, yeah, it is under twenty. I mean, you get out of there Thanks. for twenty bucks. Uh, quality glass of wine. Yeah. You've got the stuffing for the cab drinkers. You've got the complexity for those who are looking for something more. But it's not an all cab driven wine, so you can have some flexibility whether you do and. Uh, you know, you don't need a lot of fat. To what right. I'm trying to say, if, if you're if you're dining, although you know, fat's good. <laughs> Okay, uh, wine number four. Uh, this is dark and inky. Inky, inky. Uh, what do we have? Washington Syrah. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. Big, That's one of the powerful. darkest Syrahs I've ever seen, to be honest. I, can't, I don't think you can see through it. I can't. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I, usually there's a little bit of... Uh, right. Uh, we call it opacity. This is entirely opaque. We say, so well, it's you know moderate opacity, meaning I can see half my finger. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about this wine. Not this one. Uh, so this is also from Alder Ridge Vineyard in the mm. Horse Seven Hills. Mm. Um, and they've got this great block. I think it's 10A is the, the block of fruit. And it's really, really rocky and just terrible soil. So the grapes, the, the vines really have to work and and earn a foothold in this hillside. Um, and it makes the fruit incredibly complex and just beautiful. 100% Syrah. 100% Syrah. Uh, and vintage again? Uh, this is 2015. 15. Just got released uh, about two months ago. Has, how does your winemaking differ from uh, the Sonova versus the Syrah? Is it a, are you using... Obviously, the barrels are a little different or yep. didn't make the cut. But your tannin management here and fruit pot profile, it seems like you have a little higher pH in this wine, which gives you mouthfeel. It's, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's sort of it's softer. Of course, both wines go through malolactic fermentation. Yep. So you're not going to have some of that sharp malic acid. But this has a very generous mouthfeel. How how can you explain that? Uh, like you just said, it's it's Perfect. high pH. All right. Um, so the pH on this bad boy was about four point one, wow. which is crazy high. 
Um, and that's what gives you know that's what gives it that big lush soft feel. Yeah, um, that's what Napa has mastered to make all those wines right. so great. They have, they really have, and yeah, good for them. Um, and at that wine seminar, there was a wine that I said, you know, this is the kind of mouthfeel that we're looking for. It's pushing the envelope. Uh, I think higher pH gives you that. I think a higher pH is going to get you two points more, honestly. Yeah. Because people are like, mmm, yeah, that's right. that's voluptuous. It's like drinking velvet. Uh, exactly. When you think about those wines, yeah. uh, that's what Parker liked because uh, the, you don't have the tannin, so the alcohol isn't necessarily on fire. Because if you don't have the tannin, right. there, alcohol and tannin and acid all work together, right? Yeah. You, there's nothing out there that's thinking, hey, let's take a shot of this really uh, acidic <laughs> right? <laughs> spirit. No. No, no. It's all about balance. Uh, congratulations. This, 25 bucks. 35 bucks. 28. 28. Good for you. Yeah. I had it surrounded. Uh, to me, now this is the wine. I think this this wine is is as great as any Syrah you have in uh, the state. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I think, are you confident about your winemaking abilities to, to recreate this kind of profile? Yeah. So uh, actually, I Good was answer. just tasting- <laughs> <laughs> I was just tasting the 2016 in barrel- uh, about two weeks ago, and it tasted virtually the same as this. Um, 30% new oak, 20% new oak? Uh, about, thir- well, okay, so we did, let's do the math here. We've got five barrels of it, uh, and one of them is new. 20, 20%. So 20%. All right, right on. Yeah. Um, well done. So Long Thanks. Road Winery. Yep. Uh, you're located where? Uh, so the wine production facility is over on the Olympic Peninsula. No way. Yeah, just outside of Belfair, Washington. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's far away from the grapes. The grapes are east, man. Well, it's Long Road. we got to have we gotta ah, justify the name somehow, right? Oh, very good. Okay. Uh, I'd like to see the million-dollar wine. <laughs> That's it. That's what it costs. Okay, I right? get it. Um, any wine events? Do you have a club? Do you have a tasting yeah, room? Yeah, so if you go onto our website, um, you can join our wine club. Um, we do a lot of events around town. Um, uh, we're at the uh, the Kirkland Wine Walk in a couple weeks here. Um, oh, great! We're going to be doing the uh, LeMay Wine and Chocolate event down in Tacoma. Tacoma right? A couple weeks here. Um, that Syrah would go great. I, yeah, that's definitely going to that yeah, show. Perfect for sure. Yeah, so we're we're you know we're in a couple restaurants downtown, a uh-huh. um, couple wine shops here and there. So. Total production. Total production's right about a thousand eleven hundred cases. All right, and uh, is that a comfortable number for you? Yeah. If if we do more than that, we're gonna have to start getting some uh, some employees. Help. Oh, I know, not yeah. employees. Not, <laughs> uh, how you can text them how to work there? That'd be nice. <laughs> Instagram. This is what right. you should. Yeah. This is what a customer looks like. <laughs> Happy customer. So fun. Galen Crow with Long Road Winery. Um, let's talk about you know some of the challenges as as a youthful winemaker as you are. So this is your fifth vintage, right? As yeah. commercial. Yep. What are some of the the hurdles or challenges that you didn't foresee, even though you had you know working with Brennan back in five, six, seven, eight? Right. Um, what what's some of the things that surprised you about getting into the wine business? Um. The main thing that's been surprising uh, is winemaking is all about cleaning. <laughs> it sounds, you know, it sounds romantic. I tell people, oh, yeah, I own a winery. Godliness. Oh, wow, that sounds fantastic. You just walk around drinking wine all day. Winemaking is next to godliness. It's right. next to cleanliness. No, I spent my entire time cleaning out tanks and cleaning out barrels, and you know, 
doing chemical tests on the wine to make sure they're safe and sound and happy. And <laughs> did you learn some new chemical skills? Did you have uh, you know, are you using little beakers or oh yeah, all that kind of stuff. Or... Um, so I I I tried to learn as much as possible from from working uh, with Brennan at FSD. Um, but uh, I also did some of the classes at South Seattle uh, Community College. Excellent. Um, Peter Boss has been great, and Reggie Danio. Those guys are really know what they're doing, and they're a huge asset to the the Western Washington wine scene. Yeah, I want to say they've got maybe twenty five winemakers uh, that are actually work uh, head winemakers now, if not a yeah. few more, At and least. dozens of assistants. Yeah, uh, it's so great. Um, what has been some of the greatest joy you've had is in producing wine? I know that you like it, and seeing that person's face light up when you're across from the table, right? And they're not, not buzzed yet. <laughs> they're like, "Oh, this is really good." Or is it, I really like it. Catch some more. Can you pour me a double? No. Right. What are some of the fun things? Um. You know, the first time uh, we sold uh, some of our wine to a nice restaurant, that was super exciting. But, uh, you know, three weeks later when they reordered and said we sold it all and the guests love it and we need to buy more, that was that was huge to me. That was like, oh, my God, this is really <laughs> this is really working. This is really happening. People that I don't know and I'm not pestering to try it yeah. are trying it Isn't and like, liking it. Uh, it's funny. I like to say that your friends will buy a bottle. Right, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. The people who love your wine will buy <laughs> more than one. Um, so cool. So you you don't have a tasting room. You you don't you don't have any wine club or yeah, we do have oh, a wine club. Yeah. How do you get in the wine club? Um, you go to our website uh -huh. uh, and you can sign up on there at longroadwinery.com. And what does that do? Does it get you uh, is it a quarterly shipment or do you get a special ten percent off or what? So twice a year you get a six bottle shipment or you can actually you can choose from a six bottle or a twelve bottle shipment. All right. Yeah. So cool. Hey, uh, Galen Crone with Long Road Winery, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Wow, I, I'm impressed. I love the Syrah, and you go figure, you jumped in just in time because Syrah was a, was really trouble for Washington State ever since right. 2005, and, and now that most of the people figured it out, the, wine, the vineyards know how to make it, and obviously, um, I'll tell you, I certainly know how to drink it. Hey, folks, we got one more segment, segment four, coming up right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back. Hope you're having a great Saturday night. Time for our fourth and final segment. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness. I still have a little sip of wine here. I want to thank Galen Crone of Long Road Wine for joining me. Um... Next week, I'm going to be in uh, Las Vegas uh, for a very, very special birthday party. And uh, <laughs> there's millions of people coming. Um, I'm not sure they all know it's my birthday party, uh, but uh, the invitation is in the mail. Uh, so we're going to have a best of show next week. Um, but tune in. It's going to be always something fun. You probably missed it last time, so it'll be something to tune into. And, uh, you know, if you want to stay abreast of things, I tell you, it's uh, Easter is, well, it's tomorrow. And um, super excited to uh, be in the sunshine uh, all week next week. So I'll miss my studio time. But uh, that means uh, you can probably get back on uh, your 
or um, you know some of the gustatory things of of life, the, the enjoyment, the libations. I gave up bread for Lent, right? And I did a pretty good job uh, thinking Lent's forty days. I think I might have had some crackers and maybe a couple bites of bread one or twice, and that was only at dining out. Um, but I feel good about myself. I also gave up pizza for uh, Lent. And I can't wait to have some pizza, so I am super excited. But, um, you know, when we think about giving things up, one of the things I want you to uh, consider is actually um, taking things in, like uh, saying, hey, I'm not going to give something up. I'm going to learn something more. I'm going to do this more. It means I'm going to go to tasting rooms. I'm going to engage people at the tasting room, learn more about Washington wine, or I'm going to go to some distilleries and figure out why I like that specific gin or perhaps Akavit. Um, check out some restaurants. Uh, it's about learning more. Um, also appreciating that customer service that we get. This is Seattle, and Seattle's changing a lot. Uh, we'll see that we have uh, wage laws, younger people moving into um, that that middle area where we would have service industries, right? You know, you got out of college, you were uh, waiting tables or working as a barista or something like that. And these days, um, everyone's into computers and uh Sometimes they don't always have that opportunity to gain some social skills because they're out and about. Whereas if you're in the service industry, whether you're a tasting room or a bar, a barista, restaurant, um, distillery, etc., you are seeing people and learning and um, sharing and, and understanding the the human the human part of uh, consuming in our industry, and it's a very special part. And some of that is um, available if you're not able to make it out there. There's some great magazines here. Uh, Sip Northwest, uh, they have craveable noodles and pairings, behind the scenes of brewery buyouts and sipping itinerary to Victoria, B.C. Uh, this is a local magazine um, by Kristen Ackerman-Bacon, and it's uh, full of great articles, fabulous pictures, uh, and it's really a great resource for tasting rooms and things around uh, King County, Puget Sound, and Washington State, Oregon, etc. Also, uh, Washington Tasting Room Magazine is another great resource. My friends John and um, Adeen Vitale uh, produced that magazine, and it's actually very comprehensive. Uh, Washington Tasting Room Magazine, I think they dip a little into Oregon when you get to Walla Walla, or even the Gorge. But they've got uh, um, great... Uh, feature in there called Washington versus the World, and each month they pick, or each issue, they feature a different variety uh, of grapes or a blend or style, and compare that to its contrast um, from the country of origin. So sometimes it's super Tuscan wines, or perhaps it's Riesling, so they'll drink Riesling from Germany or France, and um, basically talking about how Washington really can... Um, compete, I don't want to say compete, but can compare to some of the best wine regions in the world because our winemaking industry is generous, they're smart, they're talented, they're passionate, and they're uh, dedicated to their craft. And there's always, you're never standing on your laurels. Um, every great winemaker, whether it's Quilcita Creek or, you know, Betts or Woodward or Long Road, everyone wants to do better. Um, and to, to maintain that top spot, boy, that is really a challenge. Not only because uh, vintages change, winemakers change, um, you know, palates change, consumers change, uh, but also the cognoscenti, whether it's the uh, magazine uh, columnists or the people who rank wines, etc., uh, they change. So it's hard to maintain at the top, but that means everyone's always learning. And Tasting Room Magazine, Washington Tasting Room Magazine, and Sip Northwest are two great resources to uh, gain more knowledge and insight into this fabulous industry we live in. 
Uh, so I'll be down in Las Vegas checking out some restaurants, checking out some mixology, and mostly staring at that giant fireball in the sun uh, and catching up on some reading. Um, I tell you, taste watching was a blast. You kind of lose a weekend, uh, but great to see many people. I still have smelled a little perfume and cologne. Uh, remember to tell your friends if you're heading out, don't throw on that stuff uh, and wear comfy shoes. I, I'm so, oh, well, I'm kind of disappointed, but I almost made it from Z to A. All the wineries. That's uh, I spent eight hours talking and tasting and doing a little spinning. Um, food was great, and the seminars were fantastic. Hey, coming up in June, it's June 16th. It's the Gold Medal Tasting Experience. It's the culmination of the Seattle Wine Awards, the Seattle Cider Awards, and the Seattle International Spirits Awards. Uh, SeattleWineAwards.com. You can get tickets for a sample, sip sample, celebrate, and uh, buy the gold and double gold award winners from the Seattle uh, Spirits ciders and wine hey folks hope you enjoyed the show i'll be off to vegas and i'll catch you uh, with some great guests coming up in april remember folks life is always better with the designated driver cheers cheers